So hey, what's up, Warrior? It is Jeff Anderson from warriorlife.com and Warrior Life Academy. Welcome to podcast episode number 407. So as I've gotten older, I, I definitely am feeling a little bit, a little bit more of the like get off my lawn, curmudgeon type attitude that's creeping into my bones. Now, I'm pretty sure this is not going to serve me all that well come Halloween time, but keeping the unprepared off of my front porch after a disaster knocks out the resupply systems in my area. So if it's disrupting food, water, other resources out there, I think it might come in kind of handy. So um, maybe it's not so bad, but maybe there's a better way. So let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Uh, this is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. And let me start off this week's episode with a little story about Johnny G. So Johnny is a South Florida resident and he had been through three direct hurricanes. And what he saw during those hurricanes in the aftermath gave him a whole new perspective on his need to keep himself and his family, uh, he had a wife and a daughter, and keeping them safe and protected and supplied. Now he had had a friend during that time that had been held up at gunpoint for gasoline. Um, he had seen fist fights at the pumps and he had seen near riots in the propane line over at Home Depot. And now being a resident of Florida, I can, I can say, you know what? I, I'm starting to see those same sorts of things too. But it was a trip to the grocery store in 2004 that was three days after he got hit by Hurricane Gene that really opened up his eyes to how much people change after a disaster. Now, he had learned from his past experience that the electricity could be out for some time while all the crews were mopping up after the storm. So he got a large generator and he had a good supply of fuel that he could keep it running for a long time so he could power up all of his home and you know all the major appliances there. Now, fortunately, when that storm hit, there was also a local grocery store that was somehow still one of the only ones in the area that had electricity on. So people were coming from miles around to grab whatever food that they could find. Now, since Johnny's refrigerator and his freezer were both working, he took advantage of the situation and grabbed some frozen foods that would last him longer for supplying his family, including some ice cream that he got for a treat for his family then. Then he got up to the checkout line and a woman behind him started checking out the items that he was putting on the belt. And I think it was the ice cream that probably was the straw that broke the camel's back because that was when she got very loud and she started demanding to know why he was buying items that needed a freezer. And she started to yell to everyone around that he had electricity and that it wasn't fair. And pretty soon other shoppers started looking at him like he was some kind of an evil villain and, and their attitudes really started getting ugly over ice cream, folks, ice cream. Now, that experience that Johnny had isn't an uncommon one, and it can be particularly dangerous if you're the one who's prepared in a disaster and you're surrounded by the 97% of everyone else who isn't. Now, I've seen it with my own eyes, and while I have seen other people really pull together to help one another out after a disaster hits like a local area, I've also seen that connection wither away once resources start to get low and it's every family for themselves. People really do change when their own survivability is on the line. 
And you also have to be conscious about keeping yourself and your family both supplied with the resources that you need, but also protected from those who may want those resources. Now, as I always say, when you have things that others will want during a crisis, they're going to start out by asking you to help them out. So when you say no, they're going to start begging. And then begging turns to demanding, and demanding turns to taking, potentially by force. And so let me share with you five ways to keep the unprepared off of your doorstep and away from your supplies. So the first one, if you're the type of person to stock up on supplies for a crisis, things like food and water, even if it's like guns and ammunition, keep your mouth shut. Right? A lot of people these days feel like it's a badge of honor to be like a prepper, and they love to brag about it to their friends and their neighbors. And I can tell you from experience what's going on in the back of their head. Yes, some of them will look up to you, and they're going to be jealous of your, of your, your status in the neighborhood. But all of them are going to remember all that bragging when they open up their pantry and they don't see any food there after a disaster hits. And, and look, don't try taking the other route either of trying to convert other people into being preppers. That's not your role. Frankly, even most people who do consider themselves more survival-minded aren't taking all the steps that they should be taking to be better prepared. So convincing others that they should be more like you and have a bunch of supplies on hand could possibly just be creating the demand in their heads. But it's definitely going to be labeling you as the one to come to when a disaster does hit. And do you really want them knocking on your door when that time comes? I don't. So you've got to put your ego in check and consider your family's safety over the need to feel acknowledged as being some doomsday badass of the neighborhood. Now, the second one is like, during a disaster or a large-scale crisis, the threat to your supplies may not just come from your friends and your neighbors who didn't plan. Anyone who sees that you're being more prepared, that you have supplies, you have anything more than they could, they could approach you for a forced sharing experience that you're definitely going to want to avoid. Now, this step I'm going to tell you is going to be hard for some of you, but you need to seriously be considering scrubbing your public identity. And I'm talking about now. Now, this applies to everything from your home to your vehicle and even the clothes that you wear. People talk about being the gray man so that you blend in. Well, that's, that, that's, not, that's not the goal of just when like something happens, when there's a crisis there. Because it's not like everybody around you is going to forget all that stuff, right? So your neighbors, your friends, anybody in your neighborhood, anybody that's driving by, like, you've got to go gray now. This is the time for operation security. This is the time for OPSEC. So get rid of the, you know, the bumper sticker that says my other home is a bunker. Um, forget wearing t-shirts about all the guns that you own and you're, and you're not afraid to use and they're going to pry them out of your cold, dead fingers. All it does is just tell everyone around you that you have guns, which can be taken by people who, knowing that you have guns, aren't necessarily going to approach you from the front, if you know what I mean. And the same thing goes with your, with your house. Like, like those we don't dial 911 signs out on your porch, like scrap it. That's, that's just a... That is a lawsuit, a, a, an arrest waiting to happen. And for God's sake, don't break out the plywood and spray paint and throw up one of those looters will be shot signs out on your front lawn. I know a lot of people like to do that and they think that that's cool. Like I'm a prepper, I'm a badass, get off my lawn. But all you're doing is giving away your stockpile's location and you're possibly setting yourself up for a visit by the local authorities 
who might just want to take a peep around your home to make sure that you're not sitting behind a bunch of sandbags with a sniper rifle ready to take on the zombie hordes. You may even have your weapons confiscated for the good of the community. And I'm pretty sure that while they're in there, the police are going to get a good look at all of your supplies while they're poking around. Now, I don't know about you, but my bet is that your secrets aren't really all that safe with them. You've got to be conscious about how you're communicating and what you're projecting to everyone around you because people will remember it when it's useful for them. All right, number three, your family could be the weak link in your OPSEC chain. So, yes, I do believe that it's always a good idea to teach your kids and to, you know, to be self-reliant and to have a family that really does care about being prepared. But don't let them in on your plan in quotes, like the master plan, or let them know just how squared, to, squared away you are um, with your secret stockpile of survival food, your water, um, you know, that, that 155 howitzer that's underneath the tarp in your garage. Like, just you've got to keep that information away from them because they're kids. They're going to talk. They're going to go to school. They're going to tell their friends. Their friends are going to tell their parents when the time comes, Ross, possibly, right? So, hey, hey, Joe, you know, remember... My kid says you got a 155 Howitzer in the garage. You mind if I borrow that thing? You know, you want to make sure that, you know, loose lips are going to sink ships, right? You just don't want it to be your, your ship. Now, the same thing goes for your spouse if, if like, they're a non-believer. And trust me, I have, I have walked this path. So part of your role as a protector may be to keep your real plans a secret, even from your spouse, until they get that, you know, that, that disaster, that crisis hits, that shit hits the fan event finally happens and they get that wide-eyed look like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's that sweet moment when you just turn to them and you say, honey, I got this, right? Who's your daddy? <laughs> All right. Uh, number four is you want to conceal your readiness after an event takes place. So just like the story of Johnny that I told you about where no one had electricity and he's out buying ice cream for his freezer, you don't want to be a magnet for everyone who's able to spot that you are a ready resource for their own survival. So, for example, if it is a blackout and you're the only house with the lights on in the neighborhood, others are going to be drawn to it to see how else you may be prepared also. And, you know, likewise, if you're if you're looking to spec out a generator, consider one that's solar versus like an engine power one has a, you know, has a loud engine and then everyone in the neighborhood is going to know that you're a reliable source for electricity, you know, charge their phones so their kids can play their video games or whatever. But you just want to make sure that your house isn't projecting like something different than everybody else's. Even if you are out and about in public, if there's no like water resources for an extended period of time, if there is no electricity, people aren't able to take showers, but you're down at the local Piggly Wiggly and you know, you smell like like Irish spring soap and everybody else smells like, you know, they just got done with, uh, you know, the, the NBA finals. Uh, not cool. Like, that's not going to be cool. So you want to make sure that you really don't stand out as being more prepared. Okay, the final one that I have here, number five, is to have some decoy supplies that you can give up if you really are pressed by somebody. So they're they're starting that debate. They're, they're asking. They're begging. Uh, then they start demanding. All in all, you have to be prepared in case someone does start to get a bit unruly because you're not helping them out. So it may be useful to have a few items on hand that begrudgingly you can hand over to appease them for the time being. 
you just want to make sure that whatever you put together is, is small and it's commercial as well. So things like small water bottles or a box of cereal or something like that. The last thing you want to do is come out you know, to the front porch at your doorstep with an MRE or a Ziploc bag of, of freeze-dried you know, creamy rice and chicken from your, from your survival studio. Stockpile or survival food stockpile. So, you want to make sure that whatever it is looks like you know you barely scraped it off of the, you know out of the out of the gross the local grocery store and you give it to them. So you just want to make sure that it, that's why it helps really plan ahead for that. Um, you also you want to make sure that you do put up a bit of a fight so that they don't think that you're just an easy mark for a future visit. Um, you know then when you hand it over, whatever few items that you could give up, you tell them that you know you don't have much and it's all you can afford to give them. So that way they don't they don't like really I mean they're just going to be happy enough that you gave them something, but if you're putting up a fight and you're letting them know, look, this is all you know, I have to take care of my family too, you know, take it and just just go and don't come back. That's most likely just going to get them away and that's it. And that's not that they're going to go tell everybody, yeah, go over there or like this guy's got a ton of stuff over there. If you're really like, you know, they're just going to be thankful hopefully and they're just going to they're just going to head out after that. All right. All right. So those are five things that you can do to make sure that your supplies don't end up in somebody else's uh, somebody else's, you know, basket when they're when they're out looking for stuff because things have gotten uh, uh, taken away. Resources are low in your area. All right. So now what I want to do is I want to hear from you. So in the comments where you see this this video, please go ahead and tell me what are some other ways that you know of to keep not keep the bad guys, you know, meaning the neighbors that you barbecued with last weekend that want your stuff this weekend. Look, folks, it can happen, right? Like we've got some some tough times ahead, tough times now. Um, you've really got to you have to make sure that you are securing all those supplies that you've worked so hard to put together. All right. So I want to hear from you. What are some other tips that you have if we go ahead and use them in our uh, in our broadcast here or in a future broadcast? We will give you credit for it. So please leave your your name there as well. We'll be able to get it from your handle off of uh, Facebook or, you know, or YouTube or whatever you're whatever you're leaving it on. But please go ahead and leave your comments there. And until the next podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.